in the book of Hebrews chapter 12. If you'll turn there with me in God's holy word, Hebrews chapter 12. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? But they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau, who sold his birthright for a single meal. For you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no chance to repent, though he sought it with tears. For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest, and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words 
May the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them, for they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, Yet once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens. This phrase yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. Thus ends the reading of God's fair word. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, we ask that you would come now by your spirit and that you would indeed fix our eyes on Jesus. Father, we ask that you would teach us about running the race of life. And that you, O oh God, the Holy Spirit, would come and press these precious words of your mouth on our hearts. And we delight that you are the God of our salvation. And pray that you would not only bless us this night, but day after day after day. As long as it is still called today, until you take us home to glory, that we would fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus. In Christ we pray. Amen. This passage of Scripture is one that I think is of special uh, importance and I trust will be a great encouragement, uh, not only to you... Uh, dear young ladies and gentlemen who are graduating, uh, as we celebrate this milestone in your life, uh, this passage of Scripture reminds a very crucial truth, not only for you, but for all of us with you. And that is that the time that God has allotted to each of us, and none of us know how short or long from a human perspective that is. But as long as it is today, 
as long as we are this side of eternity, God gives us instruction how to live. It is to run the race of life, fixing our eyes on Jesus. And so there are several things that I would draw your attention to from our text this evening about this wonderful truth of running the race of life. Uh, The first of these we see in verse 1, that God calls upon us to listen and hearken to the testimony of those who have gone before us. Uh, We did not uh, read Hebrews chapter 11, um, but I would just remind you that that is what verse 1 of chapter 12 is referring to. It is this amazing uh, uh, recording for us of the testimonies of the men and women of old. Uh, It's not an exhaustive list, but it is a lengthy uh, recounting for us uh, of the men and women who lived and walked by faith in the Christ. Several things that I would draw your attention to in chapter 11. And that is that all of this cloud of witnesses knew the same Jesus that you and I are privileged to know. That's what makes their testimony so powerful, so pertinent, so timely. It is not a different God or a different gospel that they are stepping forward and saying, I want you to listen carefully to me. Here's how to live life. Fix your eyes on Jesus. It is the same Jesus. And we are privileged to know even more of the details of his beauty and glory than they were. But what God had revealed to them captured their hearts and their lives. For example, in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we read about Moses in verse 24. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses, the content of his faith, the person that he believed in was none other than the Christ. And if we had time, we could go back and look at the testimony of the men and women who lived. Enoch, uh, who Uh, lived during this first period of time over in the book of Jude. Uh, He testified about the Lord coming with his flaming angels to end history someday and to bring judgment upon the wicked and to raise up uh, uh, God's people. These men and women were women and men of faith in Jesus Christ. Abraham, 
in John chapter 8, Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. These men and women of faith, they uh, knew the word of God. They lived in terms of God's revealed will in Holy Scripture, even though at that time many of them had relatively very little of the Word of God compared to the privilege we have to have the completed canon of Scripture, the yardstick by which we measure everything else from Genesis to Revelation, these 66 books. They followed Christ regardless of what it cost them. And the Lord smiled upon them and blessed them. And if you will, they lean over the balcony of heaven and are shouting to us who are still here in this life and their testimony rings out. Look to Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Live for Jesus. And so that's what the first part of Hebrews 12 is telling us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also do what they did. They laid aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Let us do the same thing. And let us run with endurance, perseverance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith. The founder, he's the author. He's the one who came up uh, with this salvation. He's the one who lived and purchased redemption for us. And he is also the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. He, he not only is the one who purchased redemption for us and causes us to first trust in him, but he's the one who hangs on to us. That's how we live. And no matter how short or long your life ends up being, this is what God says is the most important thing for you to remember. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Well, the Lord calls upon us now uh, to remember how Jesus lived. Uh, look at the last part of verse 2. Who... For the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. A Christian is someone who is joined to Jesus. And whatever Jesus has experienced and whatever Jesus has acquired uh, by faith in him we have a sharing in that. When Jesus died upon the cross, uh, our sins were nailed to the tree. Uh, the Apostle Paul 
would describe his experience of being united to Christ in Galatians chapter 2 in verse 20 this way. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who live, uh, but it is Christ in me. I live by faith in the Son of God who gave himself up for me. And so the Lord Jesus, uh, he went to the cross, but how did he die? And you know, uh, there was great agony in terms of him drinking the cup of wrath, but he did so looking past the horror of taking our hell upon himself. And that is what is highlighted in this verse. That our Lord Jesus, when he died, he committed his soul into the hands of the Father knowing that he had accomplished the mission that the Father had given him to do. And young ladies and gentlemen, God has a mission for you. God has work for you to do, as he does for all of us. And I pray that as you fix your eyes upon Jesus and give yourself to him to live for his glory, that indeed uh, he will bless you to be faithful unto the end. Uh, that is what God calls upon us. And the Lord Jesus is put forth here uh, as an incredible, glorious example. Not only is he the author and finisher of our faith, the one who purchases our redemption, but we are called to consider Jesus. This Jesus who redeemed us in his blood, we are called upon uh, to follow him, to be willing to lay down our lives, uh, to turn our back on the world and whatever it will cost us, understanding that the day will come when God will take us to his glorious heaven. And where is Jesus now? He endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. The race of life can be grueling. It can be demanding. There will be periods of time of ease and refreshment for sure, but there is also a call for stamina and perseverance. And it depends not on our own strength, but us relying upon this glorious Savior. And so this next section now in Hebrews 12 reminds us that this Jesus who has laid hold on us, who gives us the joy of the same privilege to stand and live for Jesus that these men and women of old who are testifying 
in Hebrews 11. We are looking to Jesus. And this Jesus, even in the midst of the race of life, is training us to love him better. To love him more. To persevere. To grow in our closeness to him. The whole matter of God disciplining us may not seem to be a really exciting thing uh, for any of us, let alone you who are graduating as you think about this milestone and now life lies before you, a new chapter. And yet, what a sweet thing it is that our God loves us and that all of the things we will face are for the purpose of us growing to love Jesus more. All the difficulties, all the heartaches that God allows and is part of His holy goodwill for us, He has designed to grow us, to cling to Jesus even more tightly. We're just going to read through this section, making just a few brief comments. God says, Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. None of us have died, at least to this point. There are times when you maybe thought you were, uh, but here we are. And Jesus says to us, in your struggle against sin, none of us have been called upon at least yet to lay down our lives for the King of glory. That may be the lot that God has chosen and ordained for some uh, or many, or uh, it would be unusual but all of us. But whatever the case, God tells us that in the midst of all the difficulties that life may throw at us. There is a God who is ordering our lives. And He is working all of these things to train us in holiness. Have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. 
Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by. And so God has recorded this for us so that up front uh, we are prepared to benefit uh, from the, I call them the speed bumps in life. Uh, When we uh, uh, reach those uh, times when things are really, really tough, it's not because uh, God... Uh, despises us but it is because he loves us and he has designed these circumstances uh, for his ultimate glory and our ultimate good and so we give ourselves in the midst of all of the chaos and the battles that we find ourselves embroiled in in the race of life We give ourselves to Jesus. We fix our eyes on Jesus. Uh, When God corrects us, we say, thank you, Lord. Uh, When he shows us particular sins, we delight to turn from them and turn to Jesus with renewed joy to follow him as he cleanses us afresh. When we face hard providences, Uh, We are not destroyed, even though Satan would love for us to curse God and die. But we, like Job, say, even though he slay me, yet I will hope in him. We are confident that even though we may face all kinds of bone-crushing circumstances, where we at times think, I'm going to die. Job literally thought that. And yet we have in the midst of that his testimony in Job chapter 19. I know that my Redeemer lives. And even though I'm not going to make it and I'm going to die and the worms are going to eat my flesh, yet from these very eyes, He who is my Redeemer, will come and raise me up. And with these very eyes, I shall see him and not another. That is what this discipline is all about. That God puts us in his gymnasium of life on all kinds of workout machines that we might grow to love Jesus more to cling more tightly to Him, to give ourselves anew to follow Him. And so in verse 12, Therefore lift up your drooping hands and strengthen your weak knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be put out of joint but rather be healed. We want to make good use of all of the things that God is at work doing. And give ourselves in times of ease to Jesus. And in times of great heartache to Jesus. 
and say, take me and use me for your glory. And then we have a reminder, a call, uh, that God gives us work to do. Look at verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Uh, We live in a culture where the greatest evil in the eyes of our culture uh, is to not be tolerant of the accepted latest fad of perversion and rebellion against the living God. But here God says, our life, to fix your eyes on Jesus, yes, we want to live at peace with everyone, but not at the expense of walking with Jesus. Strive for peace with everyone and the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Without a life given to Jesus, we cannot go to heaven. And then in verse 15, see to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Uh, Not only is there the allure of the world to just fit in, uh, but there is... Uh, the danger of us growing bitter, uh, of us having stood for Jesus. Uh, But uh, things were hard. And Satan would love to come and and foment uh, strife in our heart, Uh, a discontent with the providence of God. To the point where we give ourselves believing that God isn't good. (coughs) That He has done us wrong. That He has dealt us a bad hand. And bitterness begins to grow. And notice how it's described here. It is the root of bitterness. Uh, it, It can destroy people. Uh, how do you keep from growing bitter? Well, Joseph in the book of Genesis is a wonderful example to us uh, of a young man who was really done wrong by his brothers. They conspired to murder him. They sold him as a slave. But what did he do? He continued to give himself to the Christ. He continued to know that God was with him, even though his circumstances were very difficult. The day came uh, when he was arrested and because he was falsely accused, and he languishes in prison in a foreign country. And yet God was at work, and God was keeping his heart from bitterness. Oh, I pray young people, that God will keep you uh, fixing your eyes on Jesus. He is worthy. And whatever He calls upon you to be and do in Him, may the Lord keep you uh, from focusing on the wrongs uh, that may be done against you for Jesus' sake. And your heart grows bitter. 
many will become defiled. Not just yourself, uh, but many around you. And then another danger is listed here, that no one is sexually immoral or unholy like Esau. Our culture is awash with sexual immorality. And may God fix your and my and all of us eyes on Jesus, lest we be captured by the world and make shipwreck. Jesus then holds forth for us the example of Esau. Esau sold his birthright. The birthright involved the promises of Messiah. And he sold it for a single meal because he was hungry. And you know that afterward, when he desired to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance. Though he sought for the blessing with tears, Oh, he wanted the blessing so bad he cried because he couldn't have the blessing. But he didn't want to repent. He didn't want to turn from his sin to God. We live in a culture where the vast majority of the evangelical church has been caught up in this false uh, so-called gospel that you can have Jesus and all good things but you don't need to turn your back on sin. You don't need to repent. And it is a lie. Uh, Jesus, when he preached the gospel, he called people to repent and believe in the Lord Jesus. And so God holds forth Esau. And then I want you to notice in verses 18 down through 24, I don't know where God is going to use you in His kingdom, whether it is to take you to faraway places or to leave you in this area. Uh, God's kingdom is big, and God is a big God. And whatever your physical location is, this is where your address really is. This is where you live. This is where you abide. We are those, in verse 22, who have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. That's what your address is. That's where you live. That's what it means to fix our eyes on Jesus. That's our home address. We live on Mount Zion. We live in the presence of God. And every week, whether you are here or in another place, it is our joy to gather with God's people and to begin every week worshiping our great God 
and giving ourselves anew to Him and feeding upon His Word and singing praises to His name. That's your address. That's where you live. I'll never forget preaching on this text of Scripture at one of the state prisons in this area. And I asked the men the question, where are you residing? Where do you live today? And what a joy it was to remind them that if they belonged to Jesus, this was their address. And that's where we are privileged to live if by the grace of God we are fixing our eyes upon Jesus. And then we have a warning and a wonderful promise. You know, it's amazing how the warnings in Scripture always include and involve promises as well. It's kind of like the flip side of the coin. Whenever God warns us about something, it's always in the context of either a promise that is explicitly stated or implied. That if we heed that warning and give ourselves to Jesus, there is the smile of God in store for us. That God is pleased with us. And so here's the warning. God warns us, don't forget how to run the race of life, which is to fix your eyes on Jesus. See that you do not refuse Him who is speaking. And this is true not only tonight, June the 4th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. But this will be true every day as long as it is called today. That God calls us to heed this warning. Don't turn away from Jesus. Don't lose sight of this glorious Redeemer. Why? For if they did not escape when they refused Him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject Him who warns from heaven. Moses spoke there at Mount Sinai warning the people. And if they didn't heed, God's judgment was upon them. Much less will we escape Him who warns us from heaven. The living God speaking directly His Word, His Gospel to us. And then... The Lord ends with this amazing promise. For those who continue to cling to Jesus, there is victory in Jesus. There's victory in Jesus. Jesus gives us the joy of participating in his victory. Now, it may be our experience that we see very little of the fruit of what God is at work doing. For example, Abraham. God promised Abraham he would give him the promised land. And Abraham lived by faith. Abraham believed the promise of God. Abraham believed that 
Jesus is the victor. And when Abraham died, how much of the promised land did Abraham and the children of Israel possess? Only one little itsy-bitsy field that he had purchased to bury his beloved Sarah. But he lived by faith. And he knew that God had promised that in his time, his gospel would even conquer the nations of the world. That's what we read in Romans chapter 4, that God had promised to Abraham, and he understand that the promised land wasn't even the focal point of this promise, that it was just a little down payment that Abraham... His descendants would be heir of the world in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as you and I fix our eyes on Jesus, we live by faith also, like Abraham. And here's what we see. Look at verse 26. At that time, his voice shook the earth. But now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken, that is, things that have been made, in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. And therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. The Lord Jesus is going to burn up all that is opposed to him in his own good time, in his own way. And he is causing all that is built of the city of man to crumble. The wise men built his house where? On the rock. And the foolish man built his house where? On the sand. And what happened to the foolish man's house? It crashed. But the man who built his house on the rock, it endured. And so may God give us great joy to live by faith giving ourselves to follow Jesus and building Christian homes and Christian businesses and being a part of biblical congregations of God's people and calling even the civil government in this land to bow before King Jesus because we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And what is built on Jesus and for Jesus will stand forever. Therefore, let us offer to God acceptable worship. That's what it looks like to fix your eyes on Jesus. To be living for Him. Living your life in your own heart. Seeking to grow Uh, in the Lord Jesus, to offer up yourself as a living sacrifice, seeking 
to have a home where Jesus is honored as husband, as wife, as parents, as children, as grandparents and grandchildren. Seeking to honor Jesus in the workplace, in your calling. We are offering up to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe because God is a consuming fire. Oh, may the Lord fix our eyes on Jesus. Amen. Father, we thank you that you have given us your word, the Holy Scriptures, that we might know of Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. And we beg, Lord, that you would bless these dear uh, graduates tonight. Lord, that you would smile upon them and that all of us, Lord, uh, whether we have uh, been Christians for a short time or many, many, many years. Thank you, O Lord, for reminding us and calling, if there be any in this place who are not a Christian, uh, to fix our eyes on you, Lord Jesus, to be repenting of sin and trusting in you, Lord Jesus, to make us clean in your sight. Oh, Lord, as your little children, uh, we rejoice and we hear that cloud of witnesses uh, urging us uh, to run the race of life with endurance, continuing to look to you, Lord Jesus, and that all of these precious truths that we have looked at in your word, that, Lord, you would give to us uh, as the result and as the content of what it looks like to keep trusting and looking to you, O Lamb of God. Lord, we love and adore you. We love one another. We love your kingdom. We love the focal point of your kingdom, the church. We Rejoice to give ourselves and our families, our labors of our hands, our callings, our congregation. Lord, even this nation to you, uh, not this night. Asking that you would bless us, O Lamb of God. In Jesus we pray, amen.